At this time, Lawrence Gregory, sir, if you'll come with our sermon, I'll let you give the title. Good afternoon. Bah humbug. <clears throat> Many of us know what that expression means. You can look it up in the dictionary, but bah means an exclamation of contempt. Humbug is a fraud or deceit. Now, in the past years, when I was younger, uh, when people would say, Merry Christmas to me, bell ringers and people like that that didn't know me, I would say, Bah humbug, back to them. <clears throat> sometimes I would have to explain it, sometimes not, depending on the circumstance. Sometimes just say thank you or ignore it. But uh, in more modern times, uh, as I've gotten older, I say that less. I just usually ignore them as I go by. But... Um, Last week, uh, as I went to Les Pope's funeral in Oklahoma City, south of Oklahoma City, uh, my wife Janice and Maxine Kappel went with us. So the three of us went to the funeral. And on the way back, because it was in the afternoon and getting late, we hadn't had anything to eat except breakfast earlier. So we decided to stop at the uh, Cracker Barrel there at the uh, exit of the Turnpike Gate south as you're going uh, to Turner Turnpike, Oklahoma City, right there is a Cracker Barrel restaurant. So we decided to stop there. And uh, while uh, I was waiting for Janice and Maxine, I was standing in the aisle right by a uh, holiday decoration thing, and the girl was down there on the floor restocking holiday <laughs> items. And uh, <clears throat> so we talked a little bit, and she said something like Merry Christmas or something, and I said, Bah humbug. And uh, she looked kind of puzzled, so I was explaining to her what Bah Humbug meant. And she said, it's right there by you. What? And I said, right there was some wooden blocks right where I was standing on the uh, display counter. said, Bah Humbug. And uh, I looked inside. It was a wooden block, and it said six ninety nine. And I asked her, I said, do they have these in Tulsa? Oh, yeah, they've got them in all our stores, you know, and store restaurants. Whatever. So about that time, Janice and Maxine were coming down the aisle, and I was showing my wife the Bah Humbug, the wooden block there, you know. And uh, about that time, there's another blonde lady coming in the aisle. She said, that fits you all right. I said, what? She said, yeah, I can tell it in your face, Bah Humbug. And uh, she said, I'm a nurse, and I can read faces. So uh, as we all went out the door laughing and we stood in front, I thought, I'm going to get even with this lady. I'm going to tell her a dumb blonde joke. And uh, <clears throat> so I told her a dumb blonde joke, and she said, hey, that's good. I'm going to pass that around. And uh, how many of you want to hear it? Okay, uh, I'll tell it. I've, I think some of you might know this, but the lady went, this is what I told the lady. She liked it, so maybe you'll like it. Uh, lady uh, went to the comedy show, and the comedian was a ventriloquist. So uh, partway through his act, the comedian started telling dumb blonde jokes. 
And after a couple of them, she jumped up from the audience and said, Sir, I'm offended. Women are the backbone of society. Women are very intelligent and strong and capable. And he said, Oh, ma'am, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. She said, Shut up. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to that little idiot on your knee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that was my get even with it, but it didn't, it kind of backfired because she liked it. She was going to pass it around. Well, today is uh, a day that uh, is preceding next week, Christmas time, and we'll be glad when this is all over with and everything. I'm sure most of us will because of all the things that are going on, but uh, I have a number of points that I want to cover today. And um, one of them is, uh, the first point is, God is true. And I have some scriptures uh, in Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, verse 4, as uh, Israel was exiting from Egypt and going in the wilderness, going to the promised land, God told them this, He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. So one of the great things that we can learn is God is truth. He is a God of truth. And there's many other scriptures that talk about his word is true. And uh, So let's go to the New Testament now to uh, Titus. Uh, that is the first chapter in Titus. And... Uh, Verse 2, Paul breaking into his introduction here to Titus. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And we've talked before, and I won't uh, do it today, about his salvation that he promised before and how he's carrying that out today. But uh, my subject is God is true. He cannot lie. In Hebrews... If we'll pass on to Hebrews, the 6th chapter, verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Number one, it's impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have. So there's two things. Number one, God has given us hope, and it's impossible for him to lie. So he cannot lie. Back in, uh, as we continue on in John, the first, first chapter, first John, uh, toward advance, toward the end of uh, John's life here, he wrote in first John, the second chapter, and verse 21, John 2:21 I have written unto you because you know not the truth but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth so you can't kind of take the truth and mix a little bit of lie in with it no truth or no lie is of the truth so you've got either a lie or you've got the truth and uh, drop down to verse 27 but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, 
And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. So, or it, him, abide in the truth, in God. God is true, so we abide in him. So we can't kind of live a lie. We have to live the truth. Now, there's a couple of more scriptures in the close of this book in Revelation, the 21st chapter. And verse... 8, but the fearful, he's, he's got some warnings here. The fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers, that's druggists, drug people, people to take drugs, and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So all liars are lumped in with all these other sinners. They're going to burn up and cease to exist and not uh, live forever, which is the promise for those who are in truth and who obey God. Now, in um, the last verse here in Revelation of chapter 22, verse 15, talks about the eternal city of God and uh, the righteous that are there. Blessed are they that, that do his commandments, that they have a right to enter into the tree of life, eat the tree of life and enter into the city. For without, so left out, so in death, they're not there, are dogs and sorcerers. Dogs are homosexuals, we know that. And whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. So if a person loves and then they make up a lie, they're not going to be saved. They're not going to be in the kingdom because God is truth and he wants everybody that is in his kingdom to be truthful and to be true. Now, what are some of the lies that we're talking about today? We haven't talked about it yet, but, but I'm going to. What are some of the lies that are presented today? Santa Claus. Chimney, coming down the chimney. Don't they know that there's a firebox in the chimney? And how many people have been reading about criminals, idiots, that get stuck in chimneys? Men and women, they go up and they think, I'm going to break in this house. People are gone. I'm going to go down the chimney. And lo and behold, they get stuck. So how's that big overweight guy going to get in that little chimney? That's a lie. Another thing, he's got a sleigh with some reindeers that fly through the air. Who ever heard of such a thing? Is there such a thing? No, it's a lie. And Rudolph. Oh, we love Gene Autry singing, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You're probably thinking about that already. What a lie. Rudolph with a red nose leading those reindeer, flying through the air. Uh, mistletoe. Holly wreaths. Put Christ back in Christmas. He never was in it. The elves working away at the North Pole, making all those gifts. The Santa Claus brings the gifts, but Mom and Dad gave them. So it's a lie. Oh, look at what Santa Claus brought you. They're lying to the kids. They say, if you lie, I'm going to spank your rear end. Only they say it a little stronger than that. But then they go ahead and lie to the kids and say, 
Santa Claus brought that. Brought that new car out in the driveway, the commercials, t television. Oh, you know about all the lies that are told during this year. Won't we be glad when it's over with? Another point. Now, these are just uh, uh, a few things that uh, I was thinking about in my bah humbug attitude. Is it carrying over? Do you have the same attitude? Bah humbug? A contempt? A fraud? A deceit? Okay. The holy days versus the holidays. Now, back in Leviticus, I won't go through all of these, but in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, we're so familiar with this chapter here. Leviticus 23, and uh, I want to go just one verse here. Leviticus 23, and um, verse 2, God told Moses to speak unto all the children of Israel and to proclaim all these holy convocations, and these are the feast days. Uh, verse 2, uh, the feast of the Lord, feast of the Lord, and he goes through all of them and he lists seven of the annual, what we call annual feast days, and then the Sabbath. Uh, is a holy day also. So we're familiar, we've gone through and explained all of these holy days in a time uh, through, throughout the year as we experience them. And these are holy convocations, commanded assemblies, when we are to come before God in holy uh, worship. Now, in Jeremiah the 10th chapter, oh, we're so familiar with this one, aren't we? Jeremiah the 10th chapter. Uh, Verse uh, 2. Thus says the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heavens are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cuts a tree out of the forest, the work of his hands of the workman, with the axe. They deck it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers, that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither also is it in them to do good. And so we know, and, and I remember one time many years ago, one of the uh, ministerial assistants from Ambassador College told me he had a Christmas tree farm before he was converted. And he sold Christmas trees, and we talked, and you, you, you get a lot of this about People that go out and in the Christmas tree farm and they pick out the Christmas tree and they cut it down or have it cut down and they take it or the big cities buy these huge ones, they bring them in on uh, uh, semis and they erect them and they decorate all the Christmas tree and with gold and silver and lights and uh, they tell you, you know, uh, how to be safe so they don't catch on fire in your home and burn your house down, which happens frequently, people, Christmas trees uh, short out or or they're dry and they catch on fire with all those gifts in it. I saw this one on television, this one lady, and she had this Christmas tree, big tree in her house, stacked with gifts, stacked clear up to the top, hundreds, it looked like hundreds of gifts. Now, who does that? Uh, do you think it was for show? Do you think it was to get on TV for her 15 minutes of fame to show her Christmas trees that she was, her Christmas gifts that she was giving? I mean, she spent a fortune on wrapping paper and scotch tape and time 
that she put into wrapping all of those gifts, uh, which was a lie. Revelation, I mean, Jeremiah, the 10th chapter, verse, I'll skip up here a little bit here to verse um, uh, 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Skipping down to verse 14 and 15, I'll just skip some of this. Uh, every man is brutish in his knowledge. Every founder is confounded by the graven image. For his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. They are vanity and the work of errors. In the time of their visitation, they shall perish. So these idols, this uh, trust, the gods that we have uh, created, uh, God condemns. Now, I know a tree uh, is good in itself because the Bible says trees, God created trees for the birds. And uh, trees are very beautiful uh, ornamentation. Uh, uh, we use uh, for decor and, and God uses trees all on this earth for osmosis to convert nitrogen into oxygen so we can breathe. So we have green grass and we have trees so that we can breathe in oxygen. And uh, we can make uh, heat from trees and we can make buildings. This, this building here has a lot of trees, ex former trees in it, different kinds. And we use them for utensils and for uh, uh, different uh, handles of things because wood is easy to uh, machine and to uh, work with and to adapt and so, Trees serve a very good function. Just imagine if we had no trees. But where has God ever told us to bring a tree in and decorate it with silver and gold and put a Christmas tree, put a star on top of it, and put our gifts underneath it? Where? He has condemned all of that, isn't it? Uh, so let's go back here to the Old Testament. Then we'll come back to the New Testament. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. The... Uh, 18th chapter, and um, verse 10, uh, he's talking about when Israel come into the Holy Land again, uh, they weren't to do certain things. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, that's reading horoscopes and all that, and getting all of your... Well, a horoscope said, I've got to do this today, so I've got to do this. And, uh, condemn, God condemns all that. Or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer, person that uh, tells the future and reads, you know, palms or your head or your scalp or goes in and can read, you know, your face like this woman says, I can read your face, so I'm a nurse. You're a bah humbug. <laughs> uh, she was just being funny, and I was being funny. I thought I was going to get even with her, but she liked it. She said she was going to pass it around. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. 
You shall be perfect with the Lord thy God. God wants us to be perfect and not to get involved in all of these Gentile perversions and things that they do erroneously. Now, uh, in the New Testament, in Galatians, the uh, fourth chapter. Galatians, the fourth chapter. And uh, a couple of verses here. Eight. Now, Paul wrote the book of Galatians to the Galatians in Turkey. They were... Jewish and Gentile converts. And sometimes he was talking to the Jews, reiterating some history. And sometimes he was talking to the Gentiles. Now, here in verse 8, he begins talking to the Gentiles. Howbeit, then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God... How turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements, wherein you desire again to be in bondage? Ye, and there's a question uh, concerning whether it's a question or a statement. Uh, I'll leave that up to you to decide. Ye observe days and months and times and years. Now, the Gentiles had certain practices, seasons and times and years and certain days that they observed. And they were turning back to those times. And Paul is rebuking them for turning back because they knew God or now God knew them and he had a different standard for them to uh, go by. And so uh, we're going to leave that for that. You can develop uh, the holy days and the holidays and think about the holiday periods uh, that are scattered throughout the year, the times uh, that uh, the people, some of us maybe in the past observed, and then the times that God has, you know, God doesn't condemn us for keeping the Feast of Tabernacles or Pentecost or Passover, does he? He, comm he commends that all through the Bible. But what he condemns is holidays. And there's a perversion of that, holiday against holy day. You can think and follow that out. Now, uh, I want to talk a little bit here about Jesus' birth. And I want to work backwards from Jesus' birth because he died in approximately 31 A.D. in the Passover. Now, the Passover was on Tuesday night, Wednesday because, remember, he was three days and three nights in the grave. Now, I've got a chart here and uh, some letters from the U.S. Naval Observatory and the uh, British Observatory uh, uh, British uh, Astronomer Royal, uh, Mr. Hollis. And uh, both of them present that in uh, Wednesday, Tuesday to Wednesday, during a, oh, about a 12-year period from 24 A.D. to 38 A.D., the Passover could have only occurred on a Wednesday in 31 A.D. on the Tuesday of March 27th, 28th, or April 24, 25. Now, because there was a fire that night, some uh, want to consider uh, 30 days earlier, March the 28th on a Wednesday as the uh, time of the Passover of the death of Christ. Jesus, when he was in the interview and with all of that that went on with Peter there at the fire warming himself. Or April 25. It's still cool enough in April 25th to have a fire at nighttime and to, and to be cool. So, uh, Jesus was crucified on Passover on Wednesday. Now, 
we'll talk a little bit later about three days and three nights and, and three and a half years of his ministry. But uh, let me just say this. Uh, in those years uh, surrounding 31 A.D., from 24 to 34 A.D., the Passover is either on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Friday. Uh, so if you have Jesus in the grave three days and three nights, he couldn't have been resurrected. If, if the Passover was on Thursday or Friday, see, he couldn't have been resurrected when the women came early Sunday morning. He had to be resurrected Saturday afternoon. So he was in the grave Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. He was in the grave Thursday day, Friday day, Saturday. And then just before sundown, Saturday afternoon, remember when, when Nicodemus came and got the body and, and uh, he came to investigate. Uh, Jesus was resurrected at some time because early Sunday morning at the rising of the sun when the women went to the tomb, he was gone. Remember the angel, the... the, the Stone was rolled away. The angel said, he's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Why didn't you believe it? Uh, so he was gone Sunday morning. So if he had been crucified on Friday, he couldn't have been three days and three nights uh, and resurrected Saturday. It wouldn't have worked, see. So uh, in 31 AD, either March 28th on a Wednesday or April 25th, on a Wednesday, 30 days later. Either one of those dates would fit in 31 AD, the Passover. And that's according to, uh, you, can, you can go out, uh, Passover time always, there's a full moon. And uh, it's interesting when you read people that talk about, uh, they're, they're telling a story about the full moon, it was bright out at night, and then the next night, there wasn't any moon. They don't know. It take 14 days to 15 days for it to be a new moon again. So the moon waxes and wanes. So when you go out on the Passover night, the 14th, the beginning of the uh, 14th, the end of the 13th, not the 15th, the Jews do it. A day, they do it a day later. They do it on the first day of unleavened bread. But you can go out and there's always a full moon. And as it progresses, and then when it's a new moon, a new moon is always in the west rising just a little bit before sundown and then dropping to the horizon. And then it advances until you get up to like at 9 o'clock, you'll see like a half moon, and it advances to a full moon, and then the full moon will be going all the way through uh, from east to west, just as the sun. Now, let's talk about uh, the uh, holidays and holy days of Brumalia and Saturnalia and the worship of the sun and how the pagans uh, around December 25th uh, now uh, usually December 21st 22nd uh, winter time starts and so the days now are starting to get longer aren't they so they would build these bonfires to encourage the sun as it would come now they didn't they didn't understand that it was the earth tilting on its axis that caused the sun to appear in the southern hemisphere and then it, to advance in the summertime to its higher apex in the north. So it's not the sun that's moving, it's the earth that's turning on its axis and it's giving the impression. But they didn't know that, so in their ignorance they would build bonfires to encourage the sun and that's where Saturnalia, and so they would give gifts and they would uh, express uh, their uh, worship in their pagan ways, and we call that Saturnalia and Brumalia, the, the New Year's Day, Christmas Day, both of those are real close together there. Now, 
uh, going back to Jesus, uh, obviously, uh, when he was uh, crucified, he was about 33 and a half years old. Now, when John the Baptist started baptizing in uh, 27 uh, A.D., Jesus came and was baptized, and then he had a three and a half year ministry. And the scriptures tell us that he was born, he was about 30 years old when this happened. And it ha he was born in the fall about trumpets or tabernacle time. It's unknown because he hasn't given us a day. It's not December 25th. He was not born December 25th, in the dead of winter. He was born earlier because he was about 30 years of age, and then... Six months later at Passover was another six months. So now uh, there are some dates. If you look in commentaries or references or Bible histories, you'll see there's a lot of question about the year when Jesus began his ministry. Was it 26 or 27 um, uh, A.D.? I've got to remember my A.D. and B.C. Uh, because... Uh, Passover then would have been in 31 A.D. This can be proven by the dates and the time and uh, from history. Now, sometimes there's a crossover between years, like 2014 to 2015 is one year, but there's two different dates, right? So sometimes 26, 27, uh, or uh, you'll have different uh, Bible reference dates, you'll have different commentaries, different historians, and go back several thousand years, sometimes, uh, like we'll talk a little later about the Herods, there were a lot of Herods, the different names, Herod, uh, Herod the Great, Herod Antipas, Herod Agrippa, uh, there were a number of Herods, and uh, so sometimes you'll read in the Bible, Herod died, and then a few chapters on you're talking about Herod did this and Herod did that. Well, it's a different Herod, maybe it's a son or a grandson. So unless you have some references to help you, sometimes it's a little puzzling of um, who, who is actually talking about. Now, Jesus, when he was 12 years old, uh, this was in about 9 A.D., went up to Jerusalem with his parents. So 18 years later would have been about 27 A.D. So uh, he was born, depending on how you count, either 4 or 3 B.C., now, how could Jesus be born before 0 uh, A.D.? Well, the calendar calculations and the way men set up the calendar, uh, you have to go back and study that out. But Jesus actually was born about 4 to 3 B.C., four years in the fall, not in the spring, because he had a three-and-a-half-year ministry. Now, let's go to Luke, the second chapter, uh, in verse uh, 1. Luke, two, verse one. Let me get there. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Now, 
if you, two things here that we need to be careful about this, and I'll just offer this and then it can be verified. Number one, the histories tell us that uh, this was uh, one of these taxation periods was in 5 B.C. Now, another reference tells us that this, the original Greek here says that, and this taxing was first made, and the word when should be before Cyrenius was governor of Syria. So he started sometime over a period of years taxing the uh, residents, just like we have now taxing. So history is a little vague on when it started and how long it went. And uh, uh, let's go to chapter 3, verse 1 here. I'm giving you some things to search out and read and study on your own here. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of, of uh, Ituria, and of the region of uh, Trachonitis, and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. So, if you... Uh, track out the uh, reigns of uh, some of these uh, Herod, Herod Antipas, Herod Agrippa, uh, Tiberius. Uh, you'll see that Tiberius reigned from 14 A.D. to 37 A.D. Uh, Herod the Great uh, reigned. Uh, he died. The Herod the Great died in 4 B.C. So if Jesus was born when Herod was living then he would have been born in 4 B.C. If, and some of his sons and grandsons and a number of generations took the name of Herod, like Herod Antipas. He came to the throne, and sometimes these uh, rulerships overlapped one another by several years, you know. They were co-regents, co-rulers, or they uh, overlapped one another. So this Herod that died the Herod that was uh, living could have been his son, Herod Antipas, who began to reign in 4 B.C. So in 3 B.C., if Jesus was born in 3 B.C., this Herod would have been not the Herod the Great, but his son, Herod Antipas. And um, he reigned from uh, uh, 4 B.C. or 3 B.C. on to 39 A.D., Quite a long rulership. And then Herod Agrippa, you remember you talked to, when you study the book of Acts, Paul uh, had dealings with Herod Agrippa and Festus, and Herod Agrippa's wife was Bernice, that was his sister, and there's a lot of speculation about that relationship between him and his sister and his wife and all of that, so you can, you can get into that uh, later if you want, but it's a, it was a, a mess. But there are a number of Herods that are listed in the Bible, and so you have to say, who was this Herod? Was it Herod the Great, Herod Antipas, Herod Agrippa? Which one was it? And maybe uh, sometimes commentaries or references will help uh, clear that up. Now, uh, holidays, holy days. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the Roman Catholic Church 
and how they instituted Sunday and holidays and observance of times of certain times like Valentine's Day and uh, uh, New Year's and Christmas and uh, a lot of the things that they've instituted, uh, holy water and a lot of things that they have uh, that are not uh, Christian that we, that we as holy day observing Sabbatarian saints of God, daughters and sons of God, we reject a lot of that paganism and corruption because we know it's a lie. And we know it's false. You know, it's a, uh, not a uh, God-approved worship. So we're going to leave that. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the commercial thing. Oh, commercial time. Don't you just get tired of all? Come out, all these specials, and come get this Christmas gift for your kids and save a lot of money and get this credit card and all of the coupons that you can turn in. And it's just, it's become, well, uh, businesses make most of their money from November to December. Uh, if they don't have a lot of sales and a lot of business, they'll go kaput. They'll go out of business. So. Uh, now, Christmas, that's why they say, put Christ back in Christmas, and they're trying to go through all this effort, you know, uh, you know all the things in, in TV, in the schools, where they're condemning Christmas and saying the Pledge of Allegiance and all of that, uh, because uh, they want to commercialize Christmas rather than a religious holiday, or a religious holiday. So there's a lot of confusion, and, and uh, we know... Uh, there's a diversity of opinion about Christmas. Uh, some want to get away from the commercialism and focus only on the religion. Some want to get away from all the religion and focus only on the commercialism. And uh, there's a lot of discussion on that going if you... It's almost aggravation that you just want to turn off the news. You used to watch, we used to like to watch the news a lot and now it's becoming just pablum so much. Okay, uh, here's another point. Back in Daniel, let's go back to Daniel 9, 25 through 27. Beginning in verse 5. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. Now, you can take uh, the weeks and convert it into, like one week has seven days, and the Bible talks about a day for a year in the Bible. So you can convert, uh, there's uh, several periods of time here. There's seven weeks, there's 62 weeks, there's 69 weeks. And I left off uh, going into the 70, 70 weeks in the previous verse, but I want to just continue on here. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. But he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make 
it desolate even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolator. So there's two points of view in here and there's a lot of confusion about these verses. Some say the latter verse here, verse 27, is talking about the false antichrist and that's where you get this seven year period when he's going to make a covenant with many and then and he breaks it. And then the other uh, understanding is that this reference is to Jesus the Messiah. That this is where we get that three and a half year ministry. In the midst of the week, on Wednesday, in the midst of the week, he's going to cut off. He's going to cause all of this Old Testament sacrifice and everything to cease because he's going to establish a new way through the Holy Spirit. And so we now have access to God through the covenant, uh, through the new covenant, through the temple, into the Holy of Holies, through Jesus Christ to the Father. Without sacrifice, we don't have to do an animal sacrifice because Jesus was the Lamb of God. He was our sacrifice. So we've explained all of this before. Now, you can take, uh, and I'll uh, show you right here. Uh, over the past years, I've done overlays here. And uh, I've got uh, this, like this chart that I made many years ago, back in the 80s. Uh, you can see how I've colored in it. And uh, I've got nice clean ones for folks. Uh, and I've passed these out in our Bible studies. Uh, but uh, it shows uh, when, uh, and the scripture references there, back in uh, Ezra, in 457 B.C., when he made a proclamation for the temple to be rebuilt and for the Jews to return to uh, Jerusalem and uh, for the wall and Nehemiah talks about in 434 to 431 BC in that area and 444 BC for the wall to be rebuilt and uh, you can go back in Ezra and Nehemiah and read about that proclamation and then you can take uh, one day for a year the 69 uh, the 62 converted over to seven times for the weeks and then a day for a year, and you'll come up with 483 days or 490 days or 440-some days. So you can calculate all of that out. Uh, I'm not going to do it today here. But uh, you'll come basically to those dates that we've talked about uh, at, from the restoration of uh, the uh, command up to Messiah, up to 26 to 27 A.D., when Jesus began his ministry. And then in 431, when he was crucified. And then Paul and the church of God, they began to expand. And by 434, you know, other things were beginning to happen uh, throughout the, the uh, Roman Empire as the gospel spread. So uh, there's a lot of things that you're going to have to do to research and to convert those days. But if you take 457 as a key day, when the command uh, by Art uh, Artaxerxes to restore Jerusalem and to build, and that's in Ezra, the seventh chapter. You can go read a lot of that, and then in Nehemiah, the third chapter. Okay, now, uh, I want to uh, close here with uh, another uh, recommendation, and that is, you can read a lot of this in this little booklet here, The Plain Truth About Christmas. Now, we've got uh, some of these on stock over here, and most of the, all of this literature over here that we present is uh, good and up-to-date and, and accurate, uh, most of it. Sometimes there might be a little modern uh, date change or with a little more reference or history, but we can recommend most of this literature that's over here uh, for you to uh, uh, look through. 
And you can find a lot of, it's more focused on the commercialism and the paganism of, uh, rather than some of the things that I discussed earlier today in my message titled Bah Humbug. So if you want to read The Plain Truth About Christmas, uh, that's uh, available over here in our literature stand. Now, uh, last night on uh, watching uh, Fox News, and once in a while I'll turn over to some of the other stations to monitor them a little bit, but one of the journalists said something that really caught my interest and I wrote it down. And uh, this journalist was saying something uh, in reference to one of the politicians who's running for president. And this is what he said. I like a certain politician, I'm not gonna mention his name. I like this person a lot, but I like the truth more. Isn't that profound? He likes, because uh, if you've been noticing, they've been showing a lot of discrepancy about this politician, what he said then a number of years ago, and what he says now, and the difference, and he's talking about him. <laughs> trying to explain it, <laughs> you know, trying to explain it away, what he said then and what he meant, uh, and we all do that sometimes. We say something and we mean something else, but uh, when it's recorded what he said then and what he says now, that's why this journalist was saying, I like this guy a lot, but what I like more is the truth. Isn't that interesting? Now, a lot of people like Christmas. A lot of people like to put money in, in the bucket. And you put money in a bucket, you don't know if it's going to be stolen or a guy's going to put it in his pocket later. Now they're going to the coupon and they're going to uh, aprons and they're sitting there ringing their bell and they don't have a bucket. They just got a bag, you know, you can just put it in the bag. And uh, they've seen these guys. If, if we give money out, brethren, we need to give it where we get a receipt and we know that it's... Uh, uh, something legitimate and good because you don't know when you give money if, if it's going to be a... Like I told a story here, I'm going to repeat it because some might be here that weren't here then and, and some aren't here now that was here then, but uh, this lady driving this old car, because this minister was telling me this just a few weeks ago of a church of God. He, we were talking about some of these things and he said he knew this personal story about this congregation and this lady drove up in her old car and uh, she was asking for money because she was on hard times. So the congregation took up money and gave to her. And one of the guys in the congregation, he didn't feel good about it. He says, I think I'll follow this lady and just see what if she goes and hits another church up. For anyway, he followed her a few miles later and she drove that old car up on a trailer that was hooked to a Cadillac. And she got out of the trailer and she got in the Cadillac and drove off with her old car on that trailer. She was scamming. So if somebody says, have you got some money? It's all right to ask some questions. They may be millionaires. And they're bumming off of you and you may have some money or you may not, but you have a right to say, Show me your driver's license. Where are you from? Where are you, are you working? Are you, uh, what are you doing in here in Tulsa? 
How come you're not back in Augusta, Georgia with your family where people can help you that know you? Oh, no. They don't like me back there. <laughs> well, why do you come to Tulsa in a panhandling on the streets? Like I told that guy, no, I'm not, I don't have any money for you. I didn't give him any money. My wife asked me all the time, did you give that person money? Sometimes, but usually not. Because after a while, you see this guy that's a tree trimmer. He doesn't have, all he's got is snips. He doesn't have a trailer, he doesn't have a car, he doesn't have a tractor, he doesn't have a pickup. He just goes around wanting a donation to trim your trees. Let all the branches fall. And he hit me up one time in the quick trip. Have you, he was eating his sandwich. Have you got some money? I said, yes, but it's for me. And I didn't give him any money. Now, maybe I'm hard-nosed. Maybe I'm a mean old guy, a bah humbug, like that nurse said. But do you give to everybody that asks you? Now, if, if they have a need, like the Samaritan. Let me talk about this, and then I'm going to close here. As the Good Samaritan came around the, the road, it was pretty obvious the person was wounded. People were going by and ignoring the person had a need. So he picked him up and took him into town and told the innkeeper there, when I, he's probably a traveling salesman or a businessman or whatever, when I come back through, if there's more money needed, I'll take care of it. And the guy says, no, that's okay. But there was an obvious need. He didn't just say, give me some money, and then when you leave off, like somebody says, I'm out of gas. Okay, drive your car over to the pump, and I'll put some gas in it. What's wrong with that? No, 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 I, I, I want money, I, you know. No. Check it out, please. Okay, uh, now that uh, booklet I've uh, recommended, uh, and I've told you about the, most of our booklets and articles over here on the uh, literature area that uh, we can recommend. Uh, now you know more about my subject. Bah humbug!